Vatican Radio presents Fratelli Tutti, the encyclical letter of His Holiness Pope Francis on fraternity and social friendship. Adapted for radio by Mara Michelli. English production directed by Sister Bernadette Mary Rees. Chapter 5, Part 的方法。Calls for a better kind of politics, one truly at the service of the common good. Sadly, politics today often takes forms that hinder progress towards a different world. Forms of populism and liberalism. Lack of concern for the vulnerable can hide behind a populism that exploits them demagogically for its own purposes, or a liberalism that serves the economic interests of the powerful. In both cases, it becomes difficult to envisage an open world that makes room for everyone, including the most vulnerable, and shows respect for different cultures. Popular versus populist.
In recent years, the words populism and populist have invaded the communications media and everyday conversation. As a result, they have lost whatever value they might have had, and have become another source of polarization in an already divided society. Efforts are made to classify entire peoples, groups, societies, and governments as populist or not. Nowadays, it has become impossible for someone to express a view on any subject without being categorized one way or the other, either to be unfairly discredited or to be praised to the skies. The attempt to see populism as a key for interpreting social reality is problematic in another way. It disregards the legitimate meaning of the word "people." Any effort to remove this concept from common parlance could lead to the elimination of the very notion of democracy as government by the people. If we wish to maintain that society is more than a mere aggregate of individuals, the term "people." Proves necessary. There are social phenomena that create majorities, as well as megatrends and communitarian aspirations. Men and women are capable of coming up with shared goals that transcend their differences and can thus engage in a common endeavor. Then, too, it is extremely difficult to carry out a long-term project unless it becomes a collective aspiration. All these factors lie behind our use of the words "people" and "popular." Unless they are taken into account, together with a sound critique of demagoguery, a fundamental aspect of social reality would be overlooked. Here, there can be a misunderstanding. People is not a logical category. Nor is it a mystical category. If by that we mean that everything the people does is good, or that the people is an angelic reality, rather it is a mythic category. When you have to explain what you mean by people, you use logical categories for the sake of explanation, and necessarily so. Yet in that way, you cannot explain what it means to belong to a people. The word people. Has a deeper meaning that cannot be set forth in purely logical terms. To be part of a people is to be part of a shared identity, arising from social and cultural bonds, and that is not something automatic, but rather a slow, difficult process of advancing towards a common project. Popular leaders, those capable of interpreting the feelings and cultural dynamics of a people and significant trends in society. Do exist. The service they provide by their efforts to unite and lead can become the basis of an enduring vision of transformation and growth. That would also include making room for others in the pursuit of the common good. But this can degenerate into an unhealthy populism when individuals are able to exploit politically a people's culture under whatever ideological banner for their own personal advantage, or continuing grip on power. Or when at other times they seek popularity by appealing to the basest and most selfish inclinations of certain sectors of the population, this becomes all the more serious when, whether in cruder or more subtle forms, it leads to the usurpation of institutions and laws. Closed populist groups distort the word "people," since they are not talking about a true people. The concept of people is in fact open-ended. A living and dynamic people, 
a people with a future is one constantly open to a new synthesis through its ability to welcome differences. In this way, it does not deny its proper identity, but is open to being mobilized, challenged, broadened, and enriched by others, and thus to further growth and development. Another sign of the decline of popular leadership is concern for short term advantage. One meets popular demands for the sake of gaining votes or support, but without advancing in an arduous and constant effort to generate the resources people need to develop and earn a living by their own efforts and creativity. In this regard, I have made it clear that I have no intention of proposing an irresponsible populism. Eliminating equality requires an economic growth that can help to tap each region's potential and thus guarantee a sustainable equality. At the same time, it follows that welfare projects which meet certain urgent needs should be considered merely temporary responses. The biggest issue is employment. The truly popular thing, since it promotes the good of the people, is to provide everyone with the opportunity to nurture the seeds that God has planted in each of us our talents, our initiative, and our innate resources. This is the finest help we can give to the poor, the best path to a life of dignity. Hence, my insistence that helping the poor financially must always be a provisional solution in the face of pressing needs. The broader objective should always be to allow them a dignified life through work. Since production systems may change, political systems must keep working to structure society in such a way that everyone has a chance to contribute his or her own talents and efforts. For there is no poverty worse than that which takes away work and the dignity of work. In a genuinely developed society, Work is an essential dimension of social life, for it is not only a means of earning one's daily bread, but also of personal growth, the building of healthy relationships, self expression, and the exchange of gifts. Work gives us a sense of shared responsibility for the development of the world and ultimately for our life as a people. Benefits and limits of liberal approaches. The concept of a people, which naturally entails a positive view of community and cultural bonds. Is usually rejected by individualistic liberal approaches, which view society as merely the sum of coexisting interests. One speaks of respect for freedom, but without roots in a shared narrative. In certain contexts, those who defend the rights of the most vulnerable members of society tend to be criticized as populists. The notion of a people is considered an abstract construct, something that does not really exist. But this is to create a needless dichotomy. 
Neither the notion of people nor that of neighbor can be considered purely abstract or romantic in such a way that social organization, science, and civic institutions can be rejected or treated with contempt. Charity, on the other hand, unites both dimensions, the abstract and the institutional, since it calls for an effective process of historical change that embraces everything. Institutions, law, technology, experience, professional expertise, scientific analysis, administrative procedures and so forth. For that matter, private life cannot exist unless it is protected by public order. A domestic hearth has no real warmth unless it is safeguarded by law, by a state of tranquility founded on law, and enjoys a minimum of well-being ensured by division of labour, commercial exchange, social justice and political citizenship. True charity is capable of incorporating all these elements in its concern for others. In the case of personal encounters, including those involving a distant or forgotten brother or sister, it can do so by employing all the resources that the institutions of an organized, free, and creative society are capable of generating. Even the Good Samaritan, for example, needed to have a nearby inn that could provide the help that he was personally unable to offer. Love of neighbor is concrete and squanders none of the resources needed to bring about historical change that can benefit the poor and disadvantaged. At times, however, leftist ideologies or social doctrines linked to individualistic ways of acting and ineffective procedures affect only a few, while the majority of those left behind remain dependent on the goodwill of others. This demonstrates the need for a greater spirit of fraternity, but also a more efficient worldwide organization to help resolve the problems plaguing the abandoned who are suffering and dying in poor countries. It also shows that there is no one solution, no single acceptable methodology, no economic recipe that can be applied indiscriminately to all. Even the most rigorous scientific studies can propose different courses of action. Everything, then, depends on our ability to see the need for a change of heart, attitudes and lifestyles. Otherwise, political propaganda, the media and the shapers of public opinion will continue to promote an individualistic and uncritical culture subservient to unregulated economic interests and societal institutions at the service of those who already enjoy too much power. My criticism of the technocratic paradigm involves more than simply thinking that if we control its excesses, everything will be fine. The bigger risk does not come from specific objects, material realities or institutions, but from the way that they are used. It has to do with human weakness, the proclivity to selfishness that is part of what the Christian tradition refers to as concupiscence. The human inclination to be concerned only with myself, my group, my own petty interests. Concupiscence is not a flaw limited to our own day. It has been present from the beginning of humanity and has simply changed and taken on different forms down the ages, using whatever means each moment of history can provide. Concupiscence, however, 
can be overcome with the help of God. Education and upbringing, concern for others, a well-integrated view of life, and spiritual growth. All these are essential for quality human relationships and for enabling society itself to react against injustices, aberrations, and abuses of economic, technological, political, and media power. Some liberal approaches ignore this factor of human weakness. They envisage a world that follows a determined order and is capable by itself of ensuring a bright future and providing solutions for every problem. The marketplace by itself cannot resolve every problem, however much we are asked to believe in this dogma of neoliberal faith. Whatever the challenge, this impoverished and repetitive school of thought always offers the same recipes. Neoliberalism simply reproduces itself by resorting to the magic theories of spillover or trickle, without using the name, as the only solution to societal problems. There is little appreciation of the fact that the alleged spillover does not resolve the inequality that gives rise to new forms of violence threatening the fabric of society. It is imperative to have a proactive economic policy directed at promoting an economy that favours productive diversity and business creativity and makes it possible for jobs to be created and not cut. Financial speculation, fundamentally aimed at quick profit, continues to wreak havoc. Indeed, without internal forms of solidarity and mutual trust, the market cannot completely fulfil its proper economic function. And today this trust has ceased to exist. The story did not end the way it was meant to, and the dogmatic formulae of prevailing economic theory proved not to be infallible. The fragility of world systems in the face of the pandemic has demonstrated that not everything can be resolved by market freedom. It has also shown that, in addition to recovering a sound political life that is not subject to the dictates of finance, we must put human dignity back at the centre and on that pillar build the alternative social structures we need. In some closed and monochrome economic approaches, for example, there seems to be no place for popular movements that unite the unemployed, temporary and informal workers, and many others who do not easily find a place in existing structures. Yet, these movements manage various forms of popular economy and of community production. What is needed is a model of social, political, and economic participation that can include popular movements and invigorate local, national, and international governing structures with that torrent of moral energy that springs from including the excluded in the building of a common destiny while also ensuring that these experiences of solidarity which grow up from below, from the subsoil of the planet, can come together, be more coordinated, keep on meeting one another. This, however, must happen in a way that will not betray their distinctive way of acting as sowers of change, promoters of a process involving millions of actions, great and small, creatively intertwined like words in a poem. In that sense, such movements are social poets that in their own way work, propose, promote, and liberate. 
They help make possible an integral human development that goes beyond the idea of social policies, being a policy for the poor, but never with the poor and never of the poor, much less part of a project that unites people. They may be troublesome, and certain theorists may find it hard to classify them, yet we must find the courage to acknowledge that, without them, democracy atrophies, turns into a mere word, a formality. It loses its representative character and becomes disembodied, since it leaves out the people in their daily struggle for dignity in the building of their future. You have been listening to a Vatican Radio production of Fratelli Tutti. The encyclical letter of His Holiness Pope Francis on fraternity and social friendship. Adapted for radio by Mara Micheli. English production directed by Sister Bernadette Mary Rees. In collaboration with the Vatican Publishing House, Libreria Editrice Vaticana. Featuring the voices of James Finnegan, Father Michael Kong, Thaddeus Jones, and Sister Bernadette Rees.